Welcome everybody to the Brian Pierre Grossi podcast. That's me. Really happy to have Taylor Johnson back with us. Hi, Taylor. Hey, Brian. Happy to be here again. Thanks for having he's me back a, on. He's a few miles from me. He's on the That's other true. side of Asheville, but um, we're using the uh, the old Zoom to make it happen. Yep. Um, yeah, really happy to have you too. Really grateful. And I think there's going to be some really exciting, interesting, provocative stuff we're going to dive into this afternoon. <laughs> um, why don't you start off just telling people what you're doing and, and how you got how you got into it? Yeah. Okay. So let's see the short, short introduction. Long story short, I am a guy who used to struggle immensely with sex uh, in my early twenties, like sexual anxiety. I would even avoid women because I was afraid of the moment that would happen once we actually got sexual. Uh, I struggled a lot with premature ejaculation, porn induced erectile dysfunction, like porn addiction, like also being a product of porn education, you could say, and not really knowing how to have sex with somebody, just following what I had seen on videos and ended up leaving me in a place of a lot of uh, disconnection, you could say, and not fulfilling sexual relationships. And so it, it catalyzed a journey for me into starting to study basically anything I could get my hands on about sex. And also like anything I could get my hands on that was combining a study of sex also with a study of, you could call it spirituality or energy or something in the esoteric realm because meditation and yoga and spirituality had always been a really important part of my life up until that point. And, you know, the, the realm of sex and spirit were two completely different things in my life. And there was no crossover at all. And and that journey began a long process of diving deep into myself and healing this sort of, I, I would say like a, almost a wound of disconnect. Uh, and, you know, 10, over 10 years later, here I am now, like I'm basically the person that I wish I had when I was in my early twenties, you know, and I've, I've made online courses for men to go through, to overcome premature ejaculation, to learn how to have all kinds of other pleasure and to really like do the modern art of uh, brahmacharya, which is an older term, basically just that means being really intentional with your life energy. And part of that for me also means to not ejaculate every day. And there's some really practical reasons we can get into if we want to. Um, but that's, that's the long short of it. You know, I was a professional photographer and filmmaker for about eight years prior to this. And then I realized that all I really wanted to do was talk about sex and energy and interpersonal type stuff. And those, those were all the books on my bookshelf too. And so here I am now, this is what I do full-time. I talk to men every day about sex and I'm happy to be here with you right now and happy to be here with you. Also the listener, thanks for joining us. And um, yeah, fascinated to see where we go. And that root core issue to me, I know, I know that's, that's your mission and my own way. I feel like that's a mission for me and other people I've connected to too, is this division between spirituality and sexuality. And it's like, why is this division here? Yeah. Um, and realizing that that division is causing a lot of, um, well, suffering to put it, I guess, to get the bottom, the bottom line of it. Yeah. And how do we, how do we bridge that, that, uh, that division and, and bring those two things together? So what have you discovered? So there's kind of this realization of, hey, these two things are separated. Why are they separated? 
Mm-hmm. And how do we bring them together? And this is people use the word Tantra, you know, mm-hmm. often to, to, to this kind of realm. And what have you discovered is like how people can bring these two things that seem so separate. Many people's religions have taught them that these are separate things and it's a sin to, you know, have sexual thoughts or so mm-hmm. forth and so on. Um, yeah. How, how, do, how, do, how do we bridge these two, these two things together? Oh, it's simple. You just meditate about <laughs> sex every day for an hour. Meditate on sex. <laughs> All the problems will be solved. Um, man, if it, if only it were that easy. Uh, yeah, there's so many different approaches, you know, and everybody has such a different background that they're coming to the table from. So there's no one size fits all type answer to this. I guess I would say with the exception of talking about it, like we've, as a, as a society, we just, we have to talk about sex. We have to talk about sex. Yeah. Which is what we're doing here. We have to normalize the discussion of it, the good stuff, but also the challenging stuff and the painful stuff and the shameful stuff. And I think this is where so much of the, the pain and the suffering comes from is that there's maybe, you know, you've had an experience or maybe I had an experience when I was younger that, that we feel some shame around or some sort of like discomfort around. And then we never talk about it because, oh, we can't talk about sex. It's bad. Like I should be able to manage all my feelings on my own. And we bury it and then it festers, you know, and we never deal with it. And then all of a sudden it shows up in every relationship that we have. And then we have like the same problematic patterns playing out with each romantic partner. And so that's not really so much how we deal with it, but that's kind of like how it, how I see it happen, you know, and how I see, how I see that it happened in my own life too. And so talking about it and normalizing it can be a good first step like we're doing yeah. right now. Yeah. And I think the, why the talking about it is so important um, is because it seems like, it seems like th- this whole journey to me is about bringing, coming from the unconscious to the conscious, mm. you know, when, when we're unconscious um, that's when we do things that we regret or we, you know, we wish we would have done differently or, um, we cause harm to ourselves or cause harm to other people. Um, and then when we can become conscious, we can be aware of ourselves, be aware of our own feelings, be aware of our own bodies, be aware of our partner's feelings, be aware of our partner's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems like so much of this is like moving from the unconscious to the conscious. And I, I guess that's, what's been, um, I guess if I'm honest, you know, as someone that's been on a spiritual path, it's been frustrating to me to see how so many of these spiritual paths, even ones that are, you know, kind of new age or they're kind mm-hmm. of, they, they think that there's some kind of like next level stuff still keep sexuality like in this unconscious area. Like, you know, well, we don't yeah. talk about that. We talk about other things, but that, that realm, we don't talk about, we don't discuss. Yeah. yeah so we'll I talk think- about ascension. We'll talk about meditation. We'll talk about ecstatic experiences, but when it comes to sex, nope. Yeah. And I think another thing that you and I've talked about before, but I think it's really important to bring forward here is then if, if people do talk, if spiritual people do talk about sex, then it, it tends to be like, Oh, this is very soft, you know, very gentle, very subtle, which is great. Um, but also it, then it leaves out this more primal aspect of ourselves, which also is divine also is, you know, a beautiful aspect of ourselves. And if, and if we don't become conscious of that part of ourselves and integrate it, then it comes out in these, you know, dark unconscious ways totally. um, that we don't bring into, we don't integrate into ourselves. 
Yeah. That, that cause pain in our yeah. own lives and in the lives of other people. And I think this is a two-part thing and, and possibly the second part of this, this conversation is, um, well, yes, talking about it. And then number two is we actually store a lot of these things in our bodies and we can work through different somatic practices to unearth them. But before getting there, just to, just to actually talk about it and normalize a few things, let's just, I'll say a couple of things. Like I like sex. Uh, I had sex with my partner last night. It was great. I like anal sex. I like group, sometimes group sex. <laughs> it's very rare to have that uh, be something that works out well, but when it does, the few times it's happened for me, it's been beautiful and magical and just as spiritual as a deeply meditative experience, you know, when done with the right people in the right context and the right container. And also last night, my girlfriend had her finger inside of me in my anus and it felt wonderful. And we were breathing together and we were totally present with each other. And she was, uh, you could say moving energy in my body with her other hand, running her other hand up from my genital area up to my heart. And it was this really cool kind of combined sexual experience with energetic presence practice and a somatic body practice at the same time that was super sexy and really deeply uh, full of connection and reverence, you know? And I think that like, what is, what makes something spiritual? It's the intention and the connection and the presence and awareness that's in any particular moment, you know? Yeah. And, and sex, sexual energy is like it, like an infusion of energy. Right. So this is where like people who've looked kind of more deeply at the human uh, conscious human psyche will say like your sexual energy is connected to your power. Mm -hmm. You know, when you cut off your sexual energy, you're cutting off your, your, your power because it's like power is energy. Energy is power. Sex, sexual energy. It comes from the, the, the root are, you know, our, our first and second chakra. So um, it feels like the more, we're turned on the more we're kind of opening up our channel and the more energy we're bringing in and i'm just kind of thinking it thinking about it in real time and i think it's like it's almost like there's so much energy coming through us that it can be easy to kind of just kind of contract or close mm -hmm. down or, or be afraid or be like i don't know you know the sense of like losing control right yeah. which is like the gift of of um, sexuality of orgasm mm -hmm. is the sense of being able to just fully let go. And I think this is where um, people can have even like what we could call like enlightenment experience. There's these kind of spiritual mm -hmm. experiences where it's like, Oh, I've transcended my ego. I don't, you know, I've, I've lost the sense of a separate self. I feel like I'm one with everything, you know, mm -hmm. these things happen in, in sexual experiences at times. And, and if we could like kind of acknowledge that and, and appreciate that, we could actually kind of um, use that as an access point, like you said, like we would meditation or like we would yoga or breath work, or maybe combine these things together mm -hmm. and, and really open up our, our, our energetically in ways that um, we're contracted or we're, or we're um, blocked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Do you agree with that? Yes, uh, I absolutely. I mean, I don't. I don't think I have like that's a complete sentence right there. Like, I I agree. Yeah, infusing this these sexual experiences with presence and intention is is gold, and it doesn't always mean that you have to be having sex, you know, in this stereotypical new age way with like soft 
music, new age music playing and candles and all this stuff. Like you can do this in, you know, while experimenting with power dynamics and power play and BDSM and spanking and slapping and, and all this stuff too, could be just as spiritual as the sort of more slow lovemaking. Uh, it just it depends on your level of intention and awareness when you're in those moments. Let's talk about, since you brought up the power dynamics and BDSM, um, do you find that there's something particular about that kind of play or that kind of exploration that opens up particular things that are powerful and beneficial? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd say like, I'm not prescribing this to everybody who I talk to, but there's definitely something amazing about exploring the Dom sub dynamic within a sexual encounter. And it's, well, to speak from the perspective of somebody who's, well, maybe we should just clarify those terms real quick, yeah. you know, for anybody yeah. listening up front. Uh, dom sub dynamic is kind of what it sounds like. There's somebody who's in this particular moment agreeing to play the role of the person who's in the domination role. So they're going to tell this other person what to do, or maybe they're going to physically do things to this person. And the submissive person is going to basically just do what they're told you know, within a certain framework of agreements or uh, boundaries that they've set up beforehand. And the agreements- and there's usually a, a safe word as well. Someone wants to stop. Totally. Play. Yeah. There's usually a safe word and there's always a conversation beforehand that happens that establishes the boundaries and the uh, limits and desires and fears, you know, that, you know, of everybody in this context. So that when you have this conversation and you create this scenario, some people call it a scene that you go into, For the person who's in the submissive role, there's something so magical about completely letting go of any sort of control at all and just surrendering completely to being in the moment, in their body, doing whatever they're told, you know, within their comfort zone. And and the experience itself of just being in that submissive role can be incredibly healing and powerful for somebody and rejuvenative and full of pleasure. And the interesting part about it is ultimately the person in the submissive role is the person in control of that moment, really, because they can say stop at any time, you know? So there is a sense of control, even though they're quote unquote out of control, they're very much in control. And that is another potentially healing dynamic for people. And also it can be really healing and pleasurable to be in the domination role. Like there's something super sexy to be looking at your lover and say like, I want you to bend over right now and touch yourself and, or like, I want you to do this to me, or I want you to do that to me. And it's like, it's for somebody, especially if you're not used to being in that role, like to embody that space and embody the type of presence and conviction and confidence and care that it requires to hold that space really well. Like that can be a healing experience too. And when I say the word healing, really, I'm talking about like anything that helps you feel more whole and good as a person in the world, you know, and that helps you show up more fully in any given moment in your life that helps you be more free or easeful in, in really any scenario. And it's kind of the magic of sexual healing is that when you have an experience that opens your heart or opens your mind sexually, it almost always translates to something else in your life. That's really powerful. That's not necessarily sexual. That could be like a business relationship or a family relationship or something like that, because we're sexual beings, you know, and we're, 
our sexuality is not isolated in a little box down in our genitals. Yeah. So just to echo, I think you said something really important there. So the sexual healing is like a, is an avenue to kind of open to whole, your wholeness mm. of who you are. So, so somebody could be, um, have a real problem letting go in their life. Maybe they're like a control. They, they feel like they're kind of a uh, you know, they trouble with control. They want to control things. And so, mm. you know, having a conscious intentional way to go into, a. Or maybe they're, they're, um, you know, have a, have a job where they're the manager and they're always having to, you know, be in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. So having a, having a dynamic where they can be in a consensual way, just surrender and let go can be really healing and opening up this part of themselves that they haven't been able to fully access in their life, you know, or, or vice versa. So, yeah, I think like sexual role play, just whatever that is for you, like, you know, being a police officer or being whatever it is, you know, this, Mm -hmm. this is this part of me that I haven't been able to fully integrate that I want to be able to step into that. And, and, you know, and, and by stepping into that in a way that's conscious, intentional and safe, and there's parameters around it, I can integrate this part of myself, or maybe I've had a trauma in a certain area and I can heal that, that part of myself by going into that. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. It's super powerful. And I really like how we're in this moment normalizing and clarifying like what is actual sexual healing. It's not like you have an experience and all of a sudden a blue light comes in and you can speak another language or something like that. It's just like, yeah, you feel more open and easeful and full as a, as a human. And that is inherently healing and will have a ripple effect, you know, throughout your whole life. Yeah. And then it's like, Sexuality can be such a, well, I, yeah, it's, if, if you, if you step into it in a way that is really in the moment and really present and you really open yourself, there's a real vulnerability there, mm-hmm. um, which is beautiful. And then I, because I've also been feeling, okay, well, well, what there's the sexual healing, but the reason that we need so much sexual healing in our world is because a lot of people have been wounded or have trauma sexually, mm-hmm. right? A tremendous amount. So it's like, well, how did that happen? Why did that happen? You know, I don't have all the answers to that, but I think one thing that's just really natural is that you're really vulnerable. You know, you're in a sensitive place Mm -hmm. and, you know, when you're wide open and then if um, something happens that feels like it's not safe or, you know, it wasn't what you, it wasn't what you thought you agreed to. Um, people can carry, you know, they can carry trauma, they can carry, carry wounding from that and carry pain from that. So again, just being able to have that space where you can kind of consciously work through that, you know, with, with someone or with yourself. Um, it feels like it's really important right now, because like you said, this doesn't just stay in the bedroom. It translates to, you know, um, applying for a job or it translates Mm -hmm. to making how you make money or it translates to how you take care of your body. You know, it translates to all these different areas of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a um, root element that um, I think is, is missing in so much of the, the transformational work and the, you know, the healing work that, that people do that. I'm glad that we're talking about it. Like you said, what's the fundamental component? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like I don't, as, as a practice generally like to talk bad about things and I'm not, I don't want to talk bad about any particular thing right here, but just to name a pattern that I see as like, 
I've seen a lot of people in this sort of spiritual or new age world, like go to all these workshops and all these like mind opening, heart opening, spirit opening things. And then they get, you know, they come back with this, like, oh, I've discovered the meaning of this. I've, I feel connected with that. I'm, I'm one with the divine, whatever. And then they like get into a sexually abusive relationship with another person, you know, and then they get into another sexually abusive relationship after that. And it's like, it's, uh, yeah, it's frustrating and it's also mind boggling. And it's also understandable to me that all of these things are happening because yeah, people, I don't, I think people don't really know how to talk about sex or even how to address it in a way that is safe, that actually can provide healing. And it's, it's playing with fire and it's kind of risky to do in a bunch of different scenarios too, because most people don't have training in how to do it. And if you talk about it in the not you know, not the most helpful way. Like it could actually really trigger somebody and put somebody back into a traumatic response and traumatic experience. So it's like, there's a lot to this world, you know, and there's a lot of healing work to be done. I don't know that it will all ever get done, but it's, uh, it's rich. It's uh, the potential is there. And something came up to go ahead. Well, something came up to share, like to give a personal example of something that was really sexually healing for me, uh, and for me, this like raises more questions than it necessarily answers. But I remember a few years ago, I ended up getting a, you could call it a full body tantric massage, right? Uh, this is the, it's kind of like the pop culture name for this is like full body tantra massage or whatever, which basically meant that I went into this session where this person massaged my whole body including my penis and my testicles and my perineum and my anus and like all these areas of my body. And with the intention to create full body healing, like the session was not about me getting off. It wasn't about receiving sexual pleasure, but it was about uh, receiving full body loving touch. And if sexual pleasure arose, that was fine, but that wasn't the goal. And for me, it was this amazing experience of yes, the first hour was just like a traditional massage over my whole body. And then the next bit was touch on my genitals and anal and pelvic region. And it was this experience where I could tell that this person, they weren't trying to get me off. They weren't trying to pleasure me. They were trying to like, give me just loving therapeutic touch, healing touch in that area of my body. And it was so deeply moving and healing to be touched in that way without having to perform or without like knowing, like without thinking that I had to give anything to this person without feeling like I had to achieve an erection or not achieve an erection or anything like that. And it, it hit me that like, after over 30 years of my life, this is literally the first time when my genitals have ever been touched in a loving way that has no goal attached to it, you know? And that was like, it brought me to tears in the session, honestly. And it was a deeply healing experience for me in the sense of it gave me a totally new reference point for something that's possible that I had no idea that existed. And it allowed me to experience much more like full body acceptance and ease and love for myself and all parts of myself. And it's like, you know, if you go to a top of a mountain, you never forget what it looks like at the top of a mountain. And I'll never still to this day, forget what it felt like to have complete full body touch without an agenda in a loving way is amazing. 
Yeah, that's such an important point. I'm really glad you brought that up. So I think that's where a lot of, I know from what I've heard from, from women, that's where a lot of their trauma arises with their relationship with men sexually is that there's a feeling like the man's going for the goal, which is ejaculation Mm -hmm. and is kind of um, using them to, as a as a vehicle to get there, it doesn't really appreciate them as another human being. And so then this, this trauma arises of not being seen Mm -hmm. as a, as a human. Um, But yeah, to be able to, to, not be focused on some future point and just be present with your, I mean, that's everything to be present with your, with your lover, be present with yourself in the moment Mm -hmm. and just go where each moment takes you. I think that's the essence of what Tantra is. That's the essence of what makes a great lover. We've talked about Mm -hmm. this before, like, yeah, the techniques, they're helpful, you know, in their way you can know all the tech, but if you're not present that that's, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to, you're, you're that you're missing the whole point, I guess, is what I would would say, mm-hmm. you know. So being able to be present in the moment and being able to your lover be present in the moment and then just go where the moment takes you, and that itself is a meditation. Absolutely, and and, and that what's that's what makes the best love making. That's what makes the best lover. Mm-hmm. And that ties into you know. So for a man, um, and I, I suppose there's 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 well i know that there's women as well who are just focused on orgasm right so mm-hmm. to be able to your work of semen retention right it's like hey that's not the objective here yeah. you know talk about that like what what is that what, what's a what's a, how do you have a full body orgasm without without releasing your semen <laughs> uh, that's that yeah let's do that but also i'm realizing there's something else i wanted to say about the last piece so we'll circle sure. back to this we'll circle back to this and that is like i think i probably raise some questions in, in whoever's listening. If you're listening right now, maybe you have some questions or curiosities about this. Like maybe you have a penis, maybe you have a, a vagina, whatever. Uh, but the thought of going out and finding a massage like this is probably intriguing on some level. And like, unfortunately, this is the thing that falls under the category of, of sex work. That's quote unquote illegal in the United States. My experience was actually outside of the United States. Um, but I have had similar experiences in the States from my lovers, but I, I want to like, say also, like, if you are going to go out and try to find something like that, like be as careful and as intentional as you possibly can when finding the right person, not even necessarily because of the legality of it, but because like, there are a lot of people out there, especially in the new age scene who kind of self market themselves as like a Yoni healer or a sexual healer or something like that. And really they're mixing in their own personal sexual agenda with their quote unquote healing work. And in in my experience, it's super rare to find somebody who can actually hold space for somebody's healing without their own agenda in the sexual realm. They do exist. And the kind of work that it takes a person to get that, get to that place is, is monumental. And I think that maybe goes without saying, but just to like add that word in there. Like it's such a valuable experience if you can get it and also approach with care. Yeah. yeah and I, we'll, I think we can add too that in the meantime, uh, if, until you find that person and that person could be, you know, end up being your lover or someone you're relationship with, mm-hmm. but there's a lot you can do by yourself totally. too, to connect with yourself and be goalless yeah. with yourself and, and, and sure. you know, get in that practice within yourself. Yeah. So a concrete example for that 
And one that I had a ton of resistance to at first and didn't do for a while after somebody told me it would be a good idea, but eventually did maybe a month later was self-pleasuring fully naked in front of a mirror, like looking at myself and trying to be in complete pleasure while looking at my body and my penis and my eyes and all this stuff. And it was a very confronting experience, very uncomfortable at first. And this person who told me about it said, just stick with it. Like, see if you can make it 20 minutes, 30 minutes without quitting because it's so uncomfortable and see if you can relax into it. And that was a really powerful healing experience for me as well. Uh, that, that helped me love my body even more that helped me love my penis and find myself attractive and, and like feel even more comfortable as a sexual being. Uh, and I encourage everybody to try this, like just stand in front of the mirror, self-pleasure. You don't even have to start with your genitals, like get some coconut oil and massage your shoulders. And if you're having trouble finding something that you appreciate about yourself, like maybe you just notice the color of your hair or the color of your eyes or start small and then start saying to yourself, like, wow, your eyes are so beautiful or wow, like your cheeks are so rosy or <laughs> whatever, you know? And, and if you approach it as a practice, it can be really profound and like super pleasurable as well. Sweet. Yeah. Was there a second, was there a second point you said you wanted to get to in there? Um, originally the sort of like somatic healing type stuff. Yeah. I think we, we'll, we've kind of like indirectly talked about that. I, I say we move on to the, the topic of what we said a few minutes ago, the whole like orgasmic realms without ejaculating. Yeah. Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. That's, that's what it was actually. Yeah. That's yeah, there's like mm -hmm. something else that you would get back to. Yeah. So. Mm, yeah. This is such a big topic and I want to start off by saying that so many people, my previous younger self included, approach sex from this place of, of pressure, like this place of needing to get off, you know, or wanting to get off or wanting a, you know, you have this peak and then this release that, that gives you all the satisfaction that leaves you feeling uh, satiated and kind of empty in a, in a nice way. And this way of approaching sex is never going to take you to the place of non-ejaculatory orgasm. And that's in my experience and the people that I've worked with, it's like, if you're approaching sex already from this pressurized place of needing to get off, then you're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the opportunity and the sexual experience to just relax into pleasure oriented sex and connection oriented sex, which can in many ways, if it, like eventually through a bunch of practices, just like bypass this, this reflex to ejaculate. And then you can just stay in this realm of pleasure that builds and builds and builds and becomes more orgasmic. And then all of a sudden you're making love for an hour and you feel like you're, you know, your entire body is in a state of, of orgasm and it's incredible. And that's possible. I also want to say like, I don't experience that every time I have sex. Uh, and I don't necessarily want to experience that every time I have sex. Like sometimes I want to just have the nice sexual experience that doesn't end in orgasm that just ends in like a beautiful connection with another person. And we do some breath practices and breathe it all in and integrate it. You know, like I don't always want to be having these like mind blowingly expansive cosmic sexual experiences every single time I have sex. It's that would, it's, you know, that, that would wear me out. <laughs> 
Uh, but it is possible. It is possible to do that. And maybe I'll pause there. See if well, I think that's a really important point you bring up, and I wanted to speak to that too because I think that probably a lot of people that are listening to this are already on the tantric path in some way or exploring it. They're on some you know beginning level, or maybe they're in a you know maybe they've been doing it for a long time. But um, what I found is, and we talked about this as well, is that mm-hmm. you get into the tantric realm, and there can be this thing where you kind of start to get in your head, mm-hmm. and you're like thinking about how do how how am i going to be the great tantric lover how am i going to thinking about how do i do this thinking about how am i going to do that thinking about thinking about not ejaculating thinking about ejaculating Mm -hmm. um and then it just ends up being this thing that actually like we talked about earlier actually takes you out of the moment and Mm -hmm. takes you more into your head yeah um so i think like what i really like what you're saying i think what i've learned is like you kind of get to a place where there's sort of like a toolbox Yes. And you have, you know, and it's like, there's a variety of options here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I now am aware of these different options and my lover and I, we can, my partner and I, husband, wife, whatever it is, we can choose which of these tools we want to, what, what's best, you know, what's, what's best for us. What's most fun for us. What's most valuable for us in this moment yes. to, to engage in together. So yes. yeah, you can learn how to, not ejaculate and also having learned that still choose for whatever reason to ejaculate right totally 100 percent. so yeah last night actually was day 22 my partner and i we decided to go through a 21 day experience of not having either of us not having any peak orgasms for 21 days and doing other practices during that time and we did have sex like penetrative sex multiple times during that experience and just rode those waves of pleasure and had our non peak orgasmic experiences that were really beautiful. And then last night going into sex, I knew that I was going to ejaculate, like going in, I decided that I was going to have that experience and we made love for a long time. It was beautiful. And I didn't go into those states of like the cosmic orgasm. I stayed more in this sort of primal edging type space. And it was super fun to do that, to intentionally do that because I, I can make that choice. You know, I have the toolbox and I'm like, Oh no, I want to stay in this experience tonight. And then I had the ejaculatory orgasm at the end by choice. And it was amazing and super pleasurable and beautiful to share that experience with her. It's like an incredibly bonding experience to share an ejaculation with your lover, especially if you're not doing it all the time. It becomes infinitely more special and connective to share that experience. And we both had peak orgasms uh, last night and it was, it was amazing. And, and I think I really like how you spoke to it there talking about how, yeah, it's a toolbox, you know? And as soon as you realize that you, if we're going to make like the, the stereotypical man analogy, as soon as you realize that you have more than just a hammer to do the job, (laughs) (laughs) then like, or a screwdriver or a screwdriver, (laughs) then your options to create art, like expand exponentially, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I think related to that, another thing we should clarify too, is that there can be this perception that, that this, this involves like having lots and lots and lots of sex and having sex with lots and lots of different people. And again, I think it's like a, like a toolbox where, um, people, I think as you step into integration and wholeness in your sexuality, you 
there, there's a path that's right for you and you can feel into that. Yeah. And that can be having sex monogamous, monogamous relationship with one person for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. That can be um, being celibate for an extended period of time. You can talk about that too. I know you, you've explored that in the past mm-hmm. and found, found value in it. So there's a lot of different options for everybody and it's really feeling in what's, what's true for you. But I think, I guess what I'm getting at is like, there's, there's connecting to your sexual sexuality that's even deeper than having sex, right? It's, yes. it's almost like a relationship throughout the day that you're connected to. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many options for sexual growth and personal growth and healing in this realm. And yeah, being celibate can be an incredibly powerful one of those too. And you're right. Like I have explored that for periods of time and those periods of time have been beautiful in my life and, and noticing in those periods, like if I have had a sexual attraction for somebody and if, especially when it's mutual to intentionally not pursue that sexually, but then to see what else is there, like we'll have a conversation or we'll meet for tea. And then, then we'll discover that, oh, wow, we actually have this beautiful like life nugget or piece of learning that we get to offer each other because we went into the conversational realm and we started sharing stuff about our past experiences or whatever that may not have ever happened if we had decided to be sexual, you know? And so the, the attraction at that point became like a system notification that, oh, here's somebody to form a connection with and learn from, you know, not for the pursuit of relationship or sex or anything like that, but it's like, oh, here, you could say the universe wanted me to learn this thing or whatever, you know, but that was, that was a surprising experience for me. Like almost every time I had an attraction for somebody during my time of celibacy, I learned something that like deeply impacted the trajectory of my life from interacting with them in a non-sexual way. Beautiful. And I think also how, I think it's interesting how sexual energy can be channeled, mm. right? So it can be channeled into having sex with someone, but it can also, sexual energy is the creative energy. So I think as you start to kind of move past, because um, I think almost where we are as human beings and our, our culture, almost all of us are growing up with some kind of level of Hopefully some people aren't, but most of us are going up with some level of sexual suppression or repression mm-hmm. or, um, so as you start to come into your sexual wholeness, you can channel this energy also creatively, like, you know, into writing or poetry or music or, mm-hmm. you know, exercise. And I think that's really valuable to realize too, is like, you know, that this is an energy that is also creative energy. And like, I think like, I'm thinking right now of like a lot of the great, like rock stars, you know, throughout, uh-huh. throughout, uh, you know, whatever the last 50 years or something, but they have a lot of sexual energy, generally speaking, yeah. you know, and the reason they're so successful and they're so, you know, they've, they've positively impacted so many people is because they're, they're channeling that energy in a way that really, you know, makes, makes this profound difference in people's lives. And so mm-hmm. I just think that that's, that's important to recognize too, of like this energy, how we can channel it and do amazing things with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think to speak to the rock star analogy for a second, like what's happening there when they're on stage, you know, what's happening when they're really in it. And it's like, they're having an internal subjective experience of being incredibly alive like they are more fucking alive than you could say most people in that moment or something, or how to say this non-comparatively, like there is a 
something like a current that's moving through them. That's just flowing. That's beautiful. And it's attractive and it's powerful. And this is the creative energy. This is the life energy. This can be sexual energy or it can be musical energy or whatever, you know, like you can put it into a painting or your business or something like that. Though I will say like, never have I before been editing a financial spreadsheet and feeling (laughs) sexually alive. (laughs) I haven't figured that one out yet. Um, Well, I, I think that's a good point though, because that's just, that's not generally like a creative thing. Right. True. But I find like when True. you access creative energy, then you're accessing this kind of like lower, it's coming up from your, your root, you know, your first and second chakra. Yeah. And it's not just this kind of head thing that people can get caught in, in our culture. Totally. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then that brings us into like, you know, just general embodiment and, and the, the importance and the value of that. So much of spirituality is not bringing that embodiment component. So I think yeah. that's that connection. I think you just kind of find is if you're on the path of wholeness, it's like, Oh yeah, well, we got to bring the body yes. into this as well. As, as much as one can with whatever body they've been given for sure. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, so I talk with a lot of guys about sex regularly and I get emails from guys constantly asking me like, Oh, what about this thing? What about that thing? And remember one I got not too long ago from a guy who was saying he was experiencing whatever problems in sex and started describing his lifestyle. And I got this hint like, huh? So I asked him all these non-sexually related questions, like how much water are you drinking throughout the day? Like, are you getting up and going for walks? Like this guy was a, he's a super successful computer programmer. Um, So he sits all the fucking time, (laughs) which is horrible for your health. You know? So it was like, dude, you have to get a stand-up desk. You have to like start moving your body regularly. You have to hydrate adequately. Like you have to be in your body. You have to embody this creature that you are because sex is an embodied experience. You can't intellectualize your way through a sexual experience. And if you don't have a reference point for being, you know, at least somewhat healthy in your body, like how do you expect to have a, uh, a really positive embodied sexual experience and turns out without any sort of fancy sexual techniques or practices at all, like starting to become more embodied, starting to drink more water, like cutting out shitty fast food, this guy started having a better sex life. Like bing, (laughs) you know, light bulb. It shouldn't have to be a light bulb, but unfortunately it is because of the, you know, our society doesn't talk about this stuff, Uh, but I really like, I, I enjoyed that interaction a lot and it, it, it reminded me of the power of simple, just healthy living, you know, are you alive? If so, you're probably going to have better sex than if you weren't feeling fully alive. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're more connected to your body, you're going to have better sex than if you were disconnected from your body. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And which is interesting. Sorry. My mind just went to porn for a second, like porn, one of the greatest God, do I even use the word epidemic right now in 2021? I don't know. Porn, one of the biggest problems <laughs> of our time. Like it really, for guys and, and for some women, like it, it creates a disconnected experience, like where we're not, for the vast majority of people who watch it, like they're not embodied when they're looking at porn. They're just staring at the images on the screen and like touching their genitals without breathing deeply, without making love to their whole self. And it's like a, it's a recipe for disconnection. And that's a whole other potentially like five podcasts we could go into, but <laughs> just kind of like 
drop that one in there for a second. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I hear from people too, and I know that, I mean, there's a whole variety of addictions that are problematic right now, but porn addiction is, is one and the lockdowns definitely didn't help with that. That, that no. exacerbated the situation for Jesus. people. Yeah. Lockdowns have made it rough for a lot of people for sure. Yeah. So, um, there's a term sex is prayer, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, um, you, well, there's a lot of different options and it's like kind of think about somebody and like, let's send loving energy to this person. Maybe they're mm-hmm. sick or they're, they're having an issue. Um, I've heard also people use sexual energy to kind of bring abundance into their lives or, mm-hmm. um, kind of manifest something for themselves. So I'd love to just have you talk about like how sexual energy can be used in that way to benefit someone else or benefit yourself or benefit the person that you're with kind of yeah. as with an, with intention, with an intention behind it in a specific direction. Yeah. Mm, that is an interesting one. Um, sex as prayer. There's so many different ways you could, you could take that. Like one of the ways that I generally take it in my own life is that anything can be prayer right? Anything could be prayer. And, and sex could be prayer just as much as sitting on a cushion and bowing down and meditating could be prayer. I did recently experiment well, within the past year or two, like start experimenting with an active different kind of sexual prayer that has been really interesting and juicy for me, which has, has only come up in self-pleasure. Like I've been exploring this in the self-pleasure sessions where like, I'll close my eyes, I'll get really into my self-pleasure, which is a different way to talk about masturbation. And I'll imagine that I'm actually making love with life and that I'm making love with spirit or God or goddess or whatever you want to call it. And I'll just go into this deeply prayerful experience by myself. That's actually with something that's much greater than myself. And it's been profoundly moving, you know, profoundly prayerful and I'm not going in there with the intention of like, I want to make more money with this sexual energy, or I want to manifest this car. It's more just like, I'm going into the experience of prayer, into the experience of reverence. And if something comes out of that, great. But like, how do I show up in reverence for life and pleasure at the same time? And that's been a really, yeah, a really powerful experience. For I me. love that. Totally love that. I think to me, that's like the bottom line of what the tantric path ultimately is about. It's like, you know, there's making love to your, your partner, learning to love yourself, you love yourself, but then there's like this meta level of like making love to the universe, you know, mm-hmm. um, and every moment, yeah, you know, the pathway into that. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And I will say like, I've never actually, I've been curious about the people who say they can masturbate their way to riches. Uh, <laughs> I've never ha- personally had that experience. Uh, manifesting a car or money or whatever through masturbation or sex. Supposedly some people say it's, it's the way of the future, but I haven't, I haven't experienced it yet. Um, but, but one thing like I will say that I have experienced or experimented with, with my partners is uh, there's this, there's this term called transfiguration that I learned in a Tantra school that I studied a while ago. And it's where like my partner and I will intentionally go into the sexual experience with the 
intention to see each other as more than just our ego identities or more than just our bodies. And so like one level is one level of this could be like, I see my partner, not just as woman, but as all of femininity, you know, or as goddess or as life, like you are life. You are the embodiment of life. You are no longer just this name. Like you are something much greater. And when you can both access that and feel that legitimately, then lovemaking takes on a whole new depth and realm of exploration and prayer and reverence that's that's magical too. And that can be transpersonal and, and psychedelic, you know, really sometimes like without any substances involved at all. And that can be a really beautiful way to practice prayerful sex with your partner too. And it's not saying that like, you're not doing it to bypass the fact that you don't like something about your partner. (laughs) We're doing it for the sake of, of growth and expansion and ultimately more connection, you know, because you both have like, yeah, I think that should be clear. Yeah. There's like a transcendent, I guess like the thing about, um, for me, meditation and sex. So meditation what is the intention? We could say a lot of different ways, but let's just say the intention is to kind of like quiet your mind or maybe get to a place where you're even free of thought, you know? And when you get into a really ecstatic sexual experience, that's what happens. You, you, Mm -hmm. you kind of like your, your thoughts just disappear. Like, where am I? Who am I? What's happening? You know, that's to get in that kind of a space is that transcendent space. Um, which is, if you can bring awareness to it, it is a, it is, it is the space that transcends the ego. So I think there's so much powerful stuff there that people can open to in realizing that. And instead of avoiding, you know, people on the spiritual path, instead of avoiding it as some sort of, you know, sinful, horrific thing, uh, it can be embraced as a, as something that is a practice that deepens you in your connection with God, spirit source. 100%, 100%. Yeah. And I grew up going to a Christian church regularly and we never talked about that. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm here to say that it is possible. It is possible. And I think there are even some, some Christian mystics who would say that within that belief system too, there are possible ways to experience this, but I'm not in that camp. I can't particularly speak to it, but uh, there is some stuff there. If you look it up, supposedly. That's actually now that I'm saying it, I'm realizing, oh, I'd like to do some more research in that just to understand that perspective a little bit more. There's And there's a fascinating book that I would imagine, well, I'm not going to qualify it. The Magdalene Manuscript is a really- I was just going to say yeah, the same thing. It's a really interesting yeah. <laughs> book on the topic, you know? I think that is that is kind of a new pathway that that moves through Christianity I guess in the, in the classic text, she was a prostitute, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like this, this kind of new reframing that brings in the feminine, brings in sexuality and connecting, connecting to God through, through that pathway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. And like, I know it's not going to resonate with everybody, but as somebody who grew up in the church, like the first couple pages, when I started reading that book, like I had some tears well up in me because it like, it completed a circuit that I had always wanted to be completed all growing up that I never had that I was like 
fuck Christianity. Like they're all just like saying shit that they don't do. Nobody in this church is actually acting on the things that they're talking about. Like it's all just a show. Like that's really what it felt like growing up, you know? And then, yeah, I know that's not everyone's experience, but that was my like youthful angst. And uh, yeah. So to, to read that book was like, wow. Okay. I can start to like have some appreciation for this again, for this alternate possibility, you know? Yeah. Beautiful yeah. book. Yeah, I want to bring it back to the um, the manifestation component. Yeah. So the idea is that you're you're getting into you're you're, you're getting into a place of sexual ecstasy. Mm-hmm. You know. So so let's think of it like this: like if you're like really depressed and you're really down, and you know you're like um, I, I, and I know like. I'm trying to think of intentions. I know some of these intentions are egoic and they're trivial, but like, you know, let's say you are someone who's in poverty and you want to kind of get into a bigger wealth consciousness, you know? So you're, you're depressed, you're feeling down and you're like, um, uh, I want more money, you know, nothing's really going to come in that kind of a state. Mm -hmm. Right. So the idea, the idea, the philosophy is you get into an ecstatic state, sexual ecstatic state. You're like, Oh my God, I feel amazing you know, I'm wealthy. I'm, you know, you, you can kind of, you're in a place where you can implant things in there and in that, in that space, Mm. because you're, because you're in this ecstatic open, you know, um, boundless place Mm. that then you can focus on something. And then that kind of becomes like a set point, a way to kind of transcend limiting beliefs using sexual energy. So it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a fascinating thing because it, it, it ties into this kind of law of attraction principle of like, um, you know, I forget how they, I forget how they phrase it, but basically your the emotional state that you're in affects your ability to uh, manifest things in your life. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, in as much as like the emotional state that I carry to a business phone call is very much going to determine the outcome of this business right. phone call, you know, right. like that's, that's where my mind goes in the practical way of, in terms totally. of how does manifestation. Like if you came work. to this podcast and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm really grumpy, I'm pissed off. You know, it probably wouldn't go well. People probably wouldn't receive you totally. as well as if you're like, yeah, I'm feeling good. I've taken care of myself today. Um, it is kind of practical in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I could, I get that. I get that for sure. And uh, it brings up a lot of, should do another podcast about manifestation. <laughs> well, I'm, we have yeah. a mutual friend, uh, Brad Leaf. Yeah, and he's talked to me a lot about this. So his his idea is like, and I guess he's he's worked with it. I haven't worked with it myself as much, mm-hmm. but it makes sense to me. Um, where, like I said, you get into this sexual ecstatic state, and then you okay, now we're going to focus on this. Give my give my attention to this, mm-hmm. and in doing that, I bring that into my life. Is basically the principle behind it. Totally. And, and the, the, just to be clear, like the actual act of bringing this into the life is not just sitting on your ass waiting for it to come, but it's also like going out into the world and doing things. Correct. Correct. And I, but, but I would say like, um, there's a, there's, I think sometimes people don't realize the opportunities that are there because they're, they have a limiting belief that they're closed to it. Like, yeah. like this kind of thing of like, there's no good men in the world. You know, there's no good women in the world. Well, there's lots yeah. of good men, in the world, but if oh, you have that belief, then that's, you don't see those opportunities for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of a YouTube channel right now. That's not my own. That's like, 
Yeah. There, there's a lot of angry men on this YouTube channel <laughs> and they're like, there are no good women in the world. I'm like, yes, there fucking are. You're just into your own <laughs> echo chamber right now because you've been hurt. And I mean, this is what we, I, everybody does. They go into their echo yeah. chamber and they're hurt, yada, yada, yada. But yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and that's the, I don't want to be like, you know, rude, but I think there is, there is like, sometimes it's, it's valuable to be blunt. And it's, and it's like, well, there is none for you because you're, not allowing that into your life, you know, that yeah. that's available for you when you can open up to the possibility that there are good women and then you, you will encounter plenty of good women, you know, but if you have this idea of like, Oh, there's no good women. Well, there won't be any good women for you. You'll just keep recycling or men, if whatever, whatever you're into, you'll just totally. keep recycling the same kind of person until you open up to that wider possibility. And um, I mean, you know, I think we've all been there where we think like, oh, this thing's not possible for me. And so then it doesn't become possible until you think, well, maybe it is possible for me. And then, oh, that, that, that possibly was here all along. I just, you know, didn't give myself the opportunity to step into it. For sure. Yeah. And I think like, what do I want to say? The piece that I don't really know fully how to talk about yet is like when you mentioned the word poverty and I think of people who are actually in like quantitative, like abject poverty in life, like it's easy for me or whoever to say like, Oh, just like, you know, change your mindset, et cetera, et cetera. And I know you're not saying it's that simple. Like, I just don't know how to, how to have discourse around that, you know, like, because what I would say is like, uh, well, I don't even, I don't even know what I would say, honestly, like that's not an experience I have had in this life. Like as a child, yeah, my mom like had trouble having enough money to get food on our table for sure for a while. Uh, but I, I never like was in full on abject poverty. So I definitely am coming from some level of privilege for sure. And, uh, I would like to, yeah, increase my understanding of this and ability to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, let's, you aren't in abject poverty, but like I've known you for a while and like, I know you used to tell me like, I want to increase my financial abundance. I want to like, you know, yeah. be more prosperous in this way. So how would you say that you, cause I think you, you have made a lot of um, transformation that way. And mm -hmm. I have too. So how would you say that you did that for yourself? Now we're getting into some other interesting realms. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> Yeah. So for me, it was like, I guess I'd use the words practical mysticism in action in the world. Like for me, I don't really see a separation between spiritual things and, and the physical plane. Um, I, you know, it's all here, it's all here. And so like my body is my temple in many ways. And when I really wanted to start taking this stuff up a notch, like I did start retaining my semen and not ejaculating as much and starting, I started to learn how to transmute my sexual energy. And then at the same time, I was also studying business and I was also studying uh, communication and marketing and, and all this stuff. And the combination of the increased presence and mental clarity and, and vibrance that I got from these sexual energetic practices allowed me to enact the business knowledge and wisdom that I was learning in the world in a useful way that actually provided lots of value for people. Like even before I started doing the sex education stuff, like with my photography and video business, like I started to make more money with bigger clients, et cetera, et cetera, because I was living my life in a way that helped me be at a 
consistently, you could say higher or more functional or more open state of consciousness on a regular basis because I wasn't watching porn and jerking off to porn all the time, but instead I was treating my sexual energy and my life force energy as something sacred. And I was, I was living in that way. And that really opened up a lot for me, you know, and, and it's not like I was doing those practices and then all of a sudden everything came to me. It's like, I was doing those practices in combination with lots of intentional action in the world and the combination of those two things is what really changed the game for me. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that, that's such a, uh, a beautiful uh, personal um, story as to everything. I think everything we're talking about, how this benefits you in all the other areas of your life. You know, when you step into this level of um, sexual integration and wholeness and healing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. It almost, yeah. <laughs> I wish somebody had told me that <laughs> sentence like 15 years ago. <laughs> By the way, you might not want to jack off to porn every day. <laughs> well, I think, I think like when people hear about, when some people hear about your work, they think like, it's just about having great sex, yeah. you know, which is a part of it. Um, but what they may not think about is how it also benefits you um, mentally, emotionally, financially, you know, and totally. all these other aspects of your relationship and, um, and your work and your purpose. And, you know, it's like, it's all the areas of your life um, are benefited and transformed when we can, when we make this deeper level of connection with, you know, ourselves yeah. and spiritually, spiritually as well. For sure. Yeah. It's just like, you can't, you know, my strategy with all this stuff is to, is to put out videos and articles that catch people that are looking for help in the sexual realm. And then say, by the way, and through the practices, like, <laughs> actually your entire life will improve. You know, it's, it's, you can't really, I haven't figured out how to quite like write a blog post or make a YouTube video that gets a ton of traction that all in the same video, like combines everything that we just talked about, you know, in a, in yeah. a short, in a short thing that really grabs people. It's like, Oh no, you're suffering from premature ejaculation. Cool. Let's talk about it. Turns out actually there's a lot more you can do uh, that, that will involves your lifestyle that will change everything and it'll give you the benefit of better sex, you know, and people like, I get this feedback regularly from the guys who do my courses. They're like, wow, you know, I came into this wanting to solve X, Y, and Z. And it fundamentally changed the entire nature of all of my relationships and sexuality in a profound way. And I'm like, boom, that was my goal, you know, with all this stuff too, because it, yeah, it's not just having better sex. Like it's having a better life, like a holistic integrated lifestyle all the way around, including you maybe, sex. You made me think of an interesting question that I don't think I ever asked you before, but I think it, I'm feeling it's, it's, it's a good question to ask. So obviously um, in connecting with yourself section this way and integrating and coming in deeper level of wholeness, it's going to help you with your, your lover. Um, um, does, have you found any benefits between heterosexual men that are friends that there's some kind of, is there mm -hmm. something that can happen there that's valuable or beneficial by connecting to oneself? Does that make sense? That question? I, I think so. Like, if, are you asking like, are there potential improvements for deepening friendships between heterosexual men? If each one as an individual does their own sexual healing work. Yeah. So like you're doing your work, like you and I could be an example, like we're friends. We don't have a sexual relationship. Um, we're 
we're both men and we're both doing our, our work. Mm-hmm. And so, or you could take anyone, you know, anyone else you want to, is there a way that that's beneficial to the friendship? Uh, right. Is there a way that that's beneficial to the friendship, even though it's not directly sexual? Yeah, I, I would say so. Absolutely. I mean, I would say like my, Sorry, I just had one more thing because, because yeah. you have these groups of men that are coming together. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, that's really cool. Like, you know, is that creating like a deeper bond between them? Right. Even though they're on a friendship level. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't, I haven't specifically thought about it like this before, but I can think like the close, like the closest friendships in my life and in my family too, honestly, like my relationship with my mom and dad and sister and stepdad and all this stuff, like they have all been improved by me doing this kind of work because it like helps me be more comfortable and easeful with myself at my core. And therefore I'm more able to show up with authenticity and vulnerability without fear or concern in any of these contexts. And like specifically in regards to friendship with different people, which is slightly different than immediate family. It's like, I think the potential benefits for yeah authenticity and vulnerability are huge, you know? And of course, if you're, if multiple people are doing this sexual journey, like then you have more fuel to talk about it, like more subject matter for conversation. But I think there's a resonance piece that happens there too. And I find that like at this point in terms of my own friendships, I'm really only drawn to being friends with people at this point in life who have done some pretty serious amount of self introspective work, you know, and, and work around the sexual realms too, because I find that like, we're just, we're just able to relate more, you know, and, and not like I'm not friends with other people, but I'm talking about like inner circle type, like support each other when shit hits the fan kind of, kind of people, you know? Yeah. Like, like, can I hold, can I be held by my brother and cry? Or can I hold my brother while he cries? Like this sort of thing, you know? And yeah. Not have to, so, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, and then not have to, like, I think one, yeah, here's a big one. Like, can I hold my brother while he cries or can I be held while I cry without having this whole like fear of being gay or some shit like that? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's laughable now. Yeah. But my man, back in my early twenties and like, I would never do that because of all this fear of homosexuality or whatever. Like that's, that's actually, I mean, that's a paralyzing fear for a lot of guys, honestly. It's like, Oh, yeah. you can't, you can't hug another guy. You can't be close with them because that means that, da, 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 you know, that is a vastly unfortunate thing that exists in our society is that fear. Yeah. Well, there's a way I've been reframing this actually that I'm glad you're bringing this up. Cause I, I found it really powerful. So I think, I think you're sounds like we, we're in agreement that like a lot of men are really challenged with being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's, so there's like a challenge to being authentic, you know? So, you know, and I, I love the way you, how you articulated that. And, but authentic authenticity is what leads to intimacy, which by the way, I love that you sent that email recently about uh, nonviolent communication has how oh, yeah. it can connect to mm-hmm. one's uh, se- sexuality and there. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a connection there. Um, so yeah, so, but men want to be courageous. They want to be brave. You know, Mm -hmm. this is like a big thing for, for the masculine to be courageous, to be brave. Yeah. And then, so it's like, well, what's more courageous really than being vulnerable? You know, like you said, it's a scary thing. So it feels like you're creating this, this play, this place that, 
as men connect more to this, to, to the more consciousness with their sexuality, um, you become more authentic, you become more, and then you become more vulnerable and then you can create deeper intimacy with everybody in your life. For sure. Yeah. And I'll say like, I can trust somebody much more if I've seen them completely break down in tears and be held and allow themselves to be that vulnerable. Like that's some powerful shit. That's some strength right there is to be strong enough to allow yourself to be held, you know, like that's, yeah, that's strength. In my opinion, strength is not pushing down the tears to be a man. That's, that's a problem. That's going to result in, in depression or anger or violence later on. You know, it's like, how do you actually heal and, and be a whole person? And also to communicate, you know, what's truly alive for you. Right. I think so much this is about that being mm-hmm. able to, you know, and that can be scary to like, well, if I really say what I want, maybe I'll be rejected. Maybe, you know, my partner will think I'm weird or they won't, they won't like what I said or totally. you know, like this kind of a thing, you know, and I think so much of like what I find happens sexually for people is like the reason they're not getting what it sounds, it's funny, but the reason they're not getting what they want in their sexual relationships, because they're not asking for a lot of times, you know, in a very clear communicative way. Oh yeah. Yep. (laughs) That's yeah. I had suffered from that from a long time thinking that my partner should just know wanting my partner to give me stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And also like, you know, be prepared if you ask for something and your partner doesn't want to do it, like that's a whole other thing to receive. Like you're not always going to get what you ask for. And then sometimes I think people in longer term, certain long-term relationships are afraid to ask for things that they want because somewhere deep down, they know that they're actually in the wrong relationship and they don't want to deal with all the turmoil that can come from switching that up, you know, but that's not always the case. You can ask for what you want and have it happen and not have to break up. <laughs> that's a possibility too. And it also, it also, it's another thing that goes out into all those other, other aspects of your life then too. It's like, can you ask for the raise at work? Can you, you know, all these different yes. situations, like just learning to be authentic mm-hmm. in the moment and like, Hey, what's really true for me? What do I really want right now? And can yeah. I, can I just, you know, communicate that without, um, without it being a demand, right. As NBC would say, like, Absolutely. you know, it's a request, but it's not a demand. It's, you're not, you're not expecting someone. They don't have to say yes or no. You're just interested in what their response would be. Totally. Yeah. So for anyone listening at this point, like if you have not studied nonviolent communication, highly recommended. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tool. It's, you know, it's another tool to put in your toolkit, but it gives you the tools to be able to navigate those conversations in a, just a really useful way that gets results, you know, and if you don't get the immediate result you want, you then have the toolkit to deal with that and to come up with something else that does meet your need. Like it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, and listening to the guy, the founder, Marshall Rosenberg do, um, do his demonstration sessions. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a mind blowing framework of communication that has changed my life also. Yeah, it's been totally powerful for both of us. And I think when you first go into it, I know for me, when I first was exposed to it, I thought, oh, this is some script. I just have to like, it doesn't seem like it's real. I just have to mm-hmm. say these words. And, but as you go deeper into it, it's, it's, it's so much more than that. It's really a consciousness. It's a way of like perceiving the universe and understanding, you know, the human consciousness, human condition. So, yeah, yeah. 
and bringing that into your, into your, uh, you know, uh, a full, all seven chakra, full embodiment, you know, sexual relationship is, mm-hmm. is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. So, um, tell people how they can connect you and what you're up to these days. Yeah. You well, all right. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, it's at Taylor Clark Johnson. My website is www.taylorjohnson.life. You can find me on YouTube as well. Just look up Taylor Johnson, sex coach for men. And what I'm up to right now is, uh, well, yeah, I'm actually about to start my own podcast as well. Like I've got a list of about 40 people that I want to interview that I haven't reached out to yet, but they've all got different topics that I want to talk with them about. And I'm super excited about it. That's like the next venture for me. And that's going to start happening uh, maybe in like a month or month or two, uh, but that's super exciting. And I've got all kinds of other exciting stuff on my website that's it's already made. Uh, but in terms of a personal excitement, that's up for me for sure. Yeah. Awesome. And man, yeah, thank you so much for this conversation. This has been juicy and I've loved to see where it has gone. I think we've talked about some really awesome, useful stuff. It's always great. I always love talking to you. I love talking to you when we share with other people. I love talking to you one-on-one, going for a walk, you know, whatever it is. I always appreciate it. Same. And uh, yeah, really grateful for you, for you being here. Same. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah. Thank you all, everyone who's listening. Nice to share this time with you too.